Let's have a bit of a dive into the case studies, Guy. Do tell. So I wanted to make the report a bit more interesting than just sort of just reading graphs around a survey and I wanted to make sure that we were getting some context around what businesses are actually doing. So I've included a lot of case studies in this report. Um, first one is talking about selling wine into China, second one's talking about he uh, selling healthy snack food on e-commerce, third one talks about uh, expanding logistics and e-commerce and the fourth one talks about the need to protect your IP and your trademark around going into Asia. Um, so we've talked to businesses that we work with to try and find out information about those and that's the stuff that I've find really interesting to sort of see what a business is actually doing, getting the quotes from them and comparing that against what the industry trends are that are found in lots of different white papers and other research materials. So you've kind of got a combination of what businesses are saying as individuals, what they're saying as a group in terms of the survey, and then what's happening on the on the macro level in some of the industries. So that's the, that's the three things that sort of pull together to make this report. And I think it's a really great, compelling um, sort of combination. And you don't have to read the whole thing. You can sort of flip through and find things that are interesting for you. There's 72 pages of stuff in here and um, I believe that anyone who's in business will find something useful in here. Um, recently you posted on LinkedIn that there's 20 high growth cities in China and you visited seven of them. What stands out for you about these high growth cities? What defines them? The thing that I found really interesting is that people talk about, um, for example, the growth in China and there's a there's a very slow sort of macro slowdown in, in the growth of China and I think people absolutely miss the point about it because individual cities in China are still growing above that GDP rate. So if you take a, a city like Shenzhen, I visited there um, five years ago for the first time and I went back um, early last year and the place was almost unrecognisable. I've never seen anything like it. it the, the place has grown so dramatically and I believe the GDP was about 8 to 9% over the last few years. So at a macro level, there are parts of China that are slowing down because of the change in manufacturing to services to the way that, that the economy grows. But any country in the world that was getting 6.6% growth, they would be shouting from the rooftops, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to their country. But because people are concerned about what's happening, um, people sort of overreact. Um, China is managing their, their growth and managing the economy very, very well. And it means that we all get to benefit by actually being able to engage with a really strong economy, really um, really exciting growth in consumer spending. Salaries in e uh, every year continue to grow in China, so consumers have more money to spend. Last year we broke through um, a, a million visitors to China, sorry, a million visitors from China to Australia. That's going to keep growing at 16, 17% every year. So the, um, the capability to engage with the China market and the rest of Asia is really, really strong. So that's the thing that I noticed about those individual cities is that there's particular urban centres and cities in uh, China that are growing above that overall average. Uh, because people are moving from rural areas to cities to improve their lifestyle and improve their uh, their life. And when they get there, they want furniture and televisions and, and nice things to put in their fridge and, and wine to have over dinner with friends. They want to they have a great um, life like everyone does in the world. And that's um, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of consumers doing that, it's a really dramatic thing for us to be able to engage with. Mm. And so when we talk about things like a slowdown in China and things like this. I mean, sort of the macro sentiment is like, oh, things are bad. Though when we talk about a business's output capacity from a product base and a percentage of a city's consumption ability, it seems like finding a match somewhere out there is a 
relatively easy thing for somebody going on the journey? Yeah, I think it actually is because if you're a business and you're in Australia or New Zealand and you're trying to find an opportunity, you're really only talking about selling to one or two distributors. And every year you're seeing more and more growth in particular cities in China and all throughout the rest of Asia. It might be Jakarta, it might be um, Taiwan. There's all sorts of different places in Asia that are growing very, very well. So some of the macro trends, of course, are going to alarm economists because you have, you know, when they talk about the billions of everything in different directions, it's a little bit of a worry. But I see the, the destabilization in the West, the, the UK, the US and the EU as far bigger, more important and worrying economic trends as to anything that's happening in the East. Um, the, the growth in, uh, all across Asia is going to be consistent and steady and stable and um, as companies and as businesses will be able to engage that in a really exciting way. So I don't see there being any problem for individual businesses to engage with the market because you're looking to be able to sell a product that already sells well in Australia. You can't go to Asia unless you already have a strong base selling your product here. You can't expect that um, that Asia is going to be the magic bullet that saves your company. You need to make sure that you're actually running a decent business in Australia, that you have the funding, the capital, the time, the commitment to be able to expand into the market. But once you commit to that and you go on that journey, um, I think a lot of companies are really surprised at how how big the appetite is and how much demand there is for products and it's not just the product it's not just this thing where you go and sell your widget or your box of cereal it's the fact that um, people all across Asia actually want to do business yeah. with people in the West so the the relationships the Guangxi that you start to develop in China with different people and all throughout Southeast Asia um, that's the most exciting thing for me is because Australia and New Zealand are on that doorstep right we're in the Asia Pacific we're right here and it's an advantage that people in the rest of the West don't actually get from being right here on the doorstep. So that for me is the exciting part about how the number of tourists can grow, um, the students that come down, the residents who come, the immigration. Um, it's a really strong proposition and I think we're going to be very successful. But you've got to do things the right way. You've got to take the right steps and get the right advice and that's what our team tries to do and that's why we try and put all this research um, into a report that you can actually just have a look at in your own time and decide what the right path is for you. Mm. Beautiful. Um, I had a thought that the reason I do this kind of interview journalism is because I'm really trepidatious around any kind of statement where it says, insert large group statement, generalization, <laughs> R, insert emotive yeah. adjective, and then macro trend, because it just doesn't give any, just doesn't give any information on what's really happening. Yeah. And I think that catches so much of our society out, really. We're just awash with these kind of large blanket statements, especially mm -hmm. by News Corp media on our papers that is sort of tell us what's going on and everybody I meet you know my ex my experience of dealing with people in Asia is as you say they, they really want to do business with Australia they're really excited and they want to do it now they want to do it tomorrow they want here's a partnership agreement let's meet let's do this do you think that's to give themselves some sort of differentiation in the home market by bringing in unique products or simply that they are looking to deliver high quality to their domestic market the thing the trend that I seem to see is that whenever I meet people in Asia who are doing business, um, there is a level of competitiveness that I don't necessarily see in Australia and New Zealand. There is this rampant desire and drive to be able to improve their lives and to be able to sell more and make a margin and be successful in a way that is not as prevalent in the West. Um, it's very common if you are in business in the West, um, you may have gone to a good university, um, your parents might be comfortable, um, if your business falls over it's not going to be the absolute end of the world and your parents and your grandparents probably didn't come out of poverty. 
But when you do business with people in Asia, mm. uh, especially in China, it's very common that they will either come from no money uh, or their parents were in poverty or um, all these other different um, factors where they have a desire and a drive to be successful, which you see in the, in the brightest and, and the most keenest and the most driven entrepreneurs, but you don't see it at the macro level. There's mm. often a, um, a casual approach to doing business and a, and a patience and a kind of a slower approach in Australia and New Zealand than, um, than in, in China, especially where that pace of doing business has to match up with the pace of the economy because mm. it is moving so fast. Um, if, if you were experiencing 6.6% growth in Australia, essentially the, the economy would be going almost three times faster. So you would be three times more busy, there'd be three times more things to pay for and the cost of everything would be going up. So the pressure on the economy and the pressure to be able to do better and be successful mm -hmm. is really high. Um, and that's one of the things I find the most exciting about Asia is because you have this appetite for products that, and, and services that we can sell, but also in the market, there's this appetite to be able to sell and trade those. They want to understand the product. They want to have dozens of photos of it. They want to be able to understand where it's from, the providence, where did it come from, what's the story of the business who made it, the founders, the place where it's grown, where it's manufactured. They want the whole story in a way that other countries and other markets just mm. don't need to. But that mythology and where your product has come from is really, really important in Asia. And that's um, something that I think businesses here can help to differentiate themselves by mm. telling that story, sharing that story, and um, they just absolutely eat it up in Asia, which is, which is fantastic. Funnily enough, that's what we can do for you. So I think that's a great place to leave it on. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Phil. Great to talk to you. And so please visit um, btraderready.anz.com to download the report. Uh, it's free. You don't have to sign up for anything. And we're not going to spam you with anything. You don't have to put your email address in. If you want to get in, in contact with us, please do. Uh, internationalbusiness at anz.com. Uh, but yeah, please check out the report and see if we, if we can help you. We're happy to do so. Yeah. Excellent material in this. Thanks for watching. See ya.